1: Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, New Jersey Devils edition. I am joined by John Fisher from All About the Jersey, which used to be in Louis Trust, um, the SB Nation blog dedicated to the New Jersey Devils. John, how are you doing tonight?
0: I'm doing quite well. It feels good to be undefeated. It feels good to be well. And yes, we're recording this before the Colorado game, so I hope they don't prove me wrong.
1: (laughs) It's always dangerous, right, to talk about records when there's a game hanging out there, like a big matzo ball, you don't know what's going to happen. But
0: The most important thing is they're going to still have a winning record no matter what happens on Thursday.
1: (laughs) That is accurate. You can't argue with that. Um, Okay, so since we're early in the season, I've been asking everyone about how their off-season went, Um, and after you guys had, obviously, a very big off-season last off-season, getting Taylor Hall, um, there wasn't a lot that happened with you guys this off-season, apart from losing some talent in players like Maroon and Michael Grabner. Um, how do you feel about the state of the team early in the season? Like you said, they're undefeated as we record this, so it must be pretty good, right?
0: It's not just 4 nothing. Oh, no, 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 These have been largely dominant performances. I mean, there's, their goal differential right now is a plus 13. They've mm-hmm. allowed only four goals uh, so far this season. I mean, granted, the team is hot right now, and it's hitting on all sorts of uh, cylinders. I mean, Kyle Palmieri's, just set an NHL and franchise record. Keith Kincaid has been playing out of his mind. Other players have stepped up. Jean, Jean- Sebastian D has become the latest greatest waiver wire pickup for the organization. Uh, but to be truth, truth be told, you know this is a hot start. Yeah. I mean, my prediction going into the season was admittedly that the Devils will probably finish sixth in the in the division because they not really do anything. And as much as I can believe that younger players will improve in a very competitive metropolitan division you know, it only takes a bad run at the bad time to suddenly be on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. And last season was incredibly uh, stressful, not only for the Devils fans, but I'm sure for the Flyers fans, the Carolina fans that had faint hopes at some points of last season, the Islanders fans that had faint hopes at some points last season, the Rangers before the organization bizarrely decided to blow things up to, at, when there were two points out of a playoff spot, <laughs> Columbus was not exactly safe, even Pittsburgh wasn't safe at points. So, you know, I'm still a little... Uh, tentative about, you know, whether or not this hot start is for real. I mean, but there are some legitimately good underlying numbers with how the Devils have been performing so far. So all signs are looking good that maybe this team could be a playoff team, even though we know that winning is not going to last forever, although we hope it happens to continue for this week.
1: Yeah, the the Metro's wild, right? I feel like it's like the one division. Um, we kind of went division by division at Broad Street Hockey previewing the season before things kicked off. And I feel like all of the other divisions have, like, a pretty clear one-two um, mm-hmm. when it comes to how teams are going to finish. But the Metro really is just, in my opinion, completely up in the air.
0: Yeah, exactly. And Classic. last season was a perfect example of that. I mean, yeah. unlike previous years where, you know, Washington or Pittsburgh would basically run the division, you know, there was a legitimate competition. And and mm-hmm. as, since, you know, you represent Philadelphia here, you know, you got to see your favorite team win 10 games in a row <laughs> and then, you know about four months later, lose 10 games in a row and, you know, sort of end up in square one and you're sitting there watching the scoreboard every night because you don't know if tonight's the night New Jersey will jump Philly or will it be Columbus that jumps Philly or will Carolina sneak in Mm -hmm. or at the end of last season you had to worry about Florida all of a sudden. So, yeah, I mean, basically it's a very competitive vision. And outside of the Rangers, um, nobody's really a week out. Like nobody's like a weak team that somebody's going to beat up on, whereas the Atlantic – just by comparison, Detroit's going to be bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ottawa has started off better than expected, but let's be real—they're going to be bad. They're yeah, not going to well. last any two <laughs> games. Um, Florida has felt fallen flat on their face to start this season, and it's really hard to come back in a tight division to do that. And you know, it's it's really you know I don't want to sit here and say ten games in your season's done because that's not true. Right. But but you know, if teams don't take advantage of the opportunities that have for them they're going to suddenly realize they're going to be in a fight. They're not going to be able to relax by the end of March or yep. even mid-March or anything like that. Suddenly that trade deadline suddenly becomes incredibly contentious about whether or not you're in or you're out.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's way too early to really know what any one team is going to be, but it's also, like you said, if you get too far into a hole this early in the season, it doesn't matter if you turn it around in a division like the Metro because every point is so important.
0: Exactly, and then you and then you start throwing in, you know, shootouts. You throw mm-hmm. in overtimes. You throw out points thrown away, and um, and row uh, wins over regulation and yep. uh, regulation overtime wins. I mean, suddenly all those factors mattered. It actually almost mattered last season with the playoff uh, positioning. You know, thankfully or unthankfully, I should say, the Devils didn't beat Washington on the last day of the season, so <laughs> you didn't have to sit there and go, huh. So how does Roe work again?
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, right. They actually almost had to, like, make up a tiebreaker rule if Florida and Philly ended up tying on everything. They were going to have to figure out what happened. Thankfully, we didn't have to to get there, but it was close there for a minute. Um, So you brought up um, Kyle Palmieri, and I wanted to talk about him. I actually was looking at your site today, and... um, Pretty much right after I sent you these questions, I noticed that you guys published an article about this hot start for the Devils and how everyone's numbers are kind of insane. And Palmieri, I think, is shooting something like 38% right now, which is pretty wild. Um, But I feel like he's one of those players who is extremely underrated. Um, He was one of Shiro's first acquisitions for the Devils. There was actually a piece about him on Pro Hockey Talk today. Um, that had some really interesting stats about him that I'll just rattle off real quick because I found them interesting. So um, between 2015-16 and 2017-18, his three 3- point three five seven goals per game average was 32nd among all forwards in the league, placing him directly between Max Pacioretty and Artemi Panarin, and ahead of notable players like Jack Eichel, Joe Pavelski, James Neal, and Phil Kessel. And obviously those are players that we hear about all the time. Um, right. But I feel like Palmieri is not a guy that gets a lot of press. Um why do you think he doesn't garner much attention?
0: Well, I have a lot of theories on that uh, for the pride of Va- Montvale, New Jersey, um, <laughs> which is where he grew up, um, and many Devils fans are very proud of that particular fact. Uh, I mean, you know, Calgary fans can't do the same with Johnny Goudreau. It's a bit of a distance. Yeah. Um, but more seriously, uh, there's, there's a couple factors into it. First and foremost is that Palmieri is very much what I like to call a shooter. His main talent is shooting the puck. He It's not that he's terrible at passing and he's not abysmal on defense or off the puck play like he can actually do a pk shift here and there um but for the most part if you want to get the most out of palmary he needs to be firing the puck so that means is that you know if things are going well you get what you see right now where he's scoring seven goals in four games he's hammering shots like he's alexander ovechkin on the power play he's firing comments past goal tenders and it's all wonderful stuff but you know where this goes mm-hmm. when the shots start dark stop going in <laughs> <laughs> it suddenly starts wondering, hmm what what is he trying to do here? Like he's definitely blasting away but they just don't go. And that's sort of like the you know, the the run of play for most players like him where if you're not scoring, it's a big question of well, what are you doing? And again, it's not that he's bad at other things, but it's but his value kind of diminishes in that point. Compare that to a guy like Taylor Hall, you know, mm-hmm. the Devils' the Devils' best player, the 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 MVP of last season, um, you know, the guy who's worth Adam Larson apparently. Um, <laughs> you know, if he, he hasn't had a goal yet this season, yet when you, he steps on the ice, he's blazing up the ice. He's po- you know, he's poaching turnovers for one on ones with the goalie that just haven't gone in just yet. He's making passes. He's 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 making lateral plays on the power play. Like he's a star player, and that's sort of what I'm trying to drive at here is that Palmieri is quite good at what he does, and when it works, it, it, it makes people like you stand up and go, "Wow, how come people aren't noticing this guy?" But if this guy wasn't shooting at 38%, and he was shooting closer to his you know standard like 11, you know mm-hmm. 10, 11, 12% then it, it's, he he's kind of fades into the background whereas a guy like Taylor Hall on the other hand, even if he isn't scoring goals he's going to make a big impact. And then let's talk about the other elephant in the room here. He plays for the New Jersey Devils and lots of people in hockey media don't respect the New Jersey Devils for some inexplicable reason. Uh, some fans are still mad that apparently Jacques Lemaire killed hockey in the 90s because their stupid organizations couldn't do what he did. You know, he put in systems where they were trying to play with players mm-hmm. he was playing chess while others, others were playing checkers. They don't like the fact that Lou Lamorello, a quote-unquote not hockey guy wasn't a professional player almost played professional baseball came out of college of all times went back when nobody came out of college to do management um you know he, he was basically turning the league on their head with their rules and, and trying to make make things happen you know the devils you know play in new jersey and you know it's sort of the sort of the opposite effect of the Toronto Maple Leafs, where if somebody gets a hangnail, everybody in hockey media has to talk, you know, for three days about it. Um, you know, in New Jersey, it's a smaller market, and they don't get as much cred as they should, despite the results and the superior uh, level of champions, co- championships compared to recent runs from, say, the Rangers, the Islanders, or the Flyers. So, you know, being a big name. You know if Palmieri was on the Maple leaves or was on Chicago or was on Montreal, you know you'd hear his name a lot more often there'd be a lot more pub about him so to speak but because he's blazing it for New Jersey, um, he doesn't get as much pub uh, for it but uh, you know the devil's fans are used to it we're mm-hmm. fine with it. It is what it is. We're world class regardless we'll fight anybody. Okay you made it forever you, <laughs> made a,
1: you made a lot of good points there. But the, the New Jersey Devils absolutely ruined hockey in the late 90s. So, <laughs> let's just... They
0: didn't ruin hockey. It made it great.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yes, everyone loves a good clutch and grab fest that ends 2-1. Hey, hey. <laughs>
0: The Devils weren't clutching and grabbing. It was the opposing teams that couldn't keep up with the Devils that were clutching and grabbing. Oh, pim. Check the PIM counts.
1: <laughs> All right. I'll let you have that one. Um, let's move on to your goaltenders. So uh, right now you have Keith Kincaid, who's playing very well for you guys. Um, But you used to have a pretty good goaltender in Corey Schneider, who once he got hurt um, kind of never returned to form. He's not not in the lineup, right? He's still out?
0: Yes, he's still recovering from hip surgery this offseason.
1: Okay. Do you expect that when he gets back into things, he'll get back to form, or do you think that he's lost the job at this point?
0: I think he'll get back to form, and I don't think he's lost anything. Now, let me let me be very clear up front. Keith Kincaid has been fantastic. I would argue he's even harder than Paul Palmieri right now. I mean, again, the numbers speak for themselves. He's got a save percentage of over 96% right now. I mean, He's only given up four goals in four games. He has two shutouts, and those shutouts came against Washington, granted they Barely showed up to play that game, and Dallas, who you know they have Jason Spezza and Tyler Seguin and, and Alexander Radulov and Jamie Benn, who bizarrely decided to fight a guy um, last night. Uh, but more, but more importantly, is that he he's being he's playing incredibly well. It's not a got case that he's just flopping around out there and just coming up with saves by fort fortune. He's squaring up with shooters. He's always had solid fundamentals, and he's keeping it simple and net. He's not doing anything super crazy to uh, make this make the saves that he does. Um, granted, he's a career ninety-one percent goalkeeper, so I full I, I I kind of expect that he's going to fall out at some point soon. Nobody can stay this hot forever. You're a Flyers fan, you know the score. Uh, but more seriously, um, so Schneider's going to have the opportunities to get back into the net and take the number one job when, when he's fully healthy. But it will be a battle mm-hmm. because Kincaid has started off so well and as proven at the, by the end of last season is that it doesn't matter if you're Corey, your name is Corey Schneider or Keith Kincaid or Eddie Locke or somebody else's name, if you're performing well and you're the hot hand and you, you do well, you're going to continue to get minutes. And we saw that in the playoffs too, whereas the Devils going into the playoffs, Kincaid was playing much better than Schneider, and Schneider was playing not at 100%, but – Still, Kikade was better, so he got the first few starts in the playoffs. That didn't work. Schneider got an opportunity. He ran with it. He played great, and he got he got to play the lion's share of, the, of that five-game series against uh, Tampa Bay, which is, again, not an easy opponent to play against if you're a goaltender. Um, I'm hopeful that because he's, even though he's in his early 30s, uh, he ha- doesn't have a lot of mileage on his body like most goaltenders his age. It's not He's mm-hmm. not like a guy who's been starting in net for ever since he was... 23 24 25 he's been behind Roberto Luongo for a big chunk of his career yeah so he hasn't had a lot of games under his belt so I'm hopeful that with a full recovery from surgery which that he, he can afford now now that Kincaid is playing so yeah. well the Devils don't have to rush him back um they can ease him back into the lineup at their own pace as long as Kincaid is playing well and you know when things happen you know, we'll, we'll see it as it comes. I, I fully expect the Devils to at least start with a 1A, 1B type situation and just see where that goes to start. And um, for this week, at least, you'll probably see Keith Kincaid playing very, very well because he's hot right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I kind of figured that would be the, the situation when we get to that game on Saturday. Um, I have a very important question about Keith Kincaid, which is uh, what is happening with these emoji tweets?
0: <laughs> well, you see, well, you see, I'm I'm 35, so I get I'm allowed to say things like I don't understand what these young kids are doing these days. Except Keith Kincaid is 30, so I can't really say that about him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but more, more more seriously, you know, it's a shtick. It's this thing. You know, there's always this talk from media people and some players about how players need to show personalities, even though let's be real here, a lot of players and a lot of people in general don't have the personalities that they expect. Um, you know, I think for I don't want to get off on a giant rant here but i think professional wrestling is kind of what people want without admitting that's what they want out of mm. out of things but regardless Kincaid has this shtick it, it gets him over it gets him heat it gets him you know pub from people who like to easily retweet things and hit that like button on twitter
1: yeah
0: um and so you know you you were you know you you encourage good behavior you so he keeps on doing it. So that's his thing. you know. It, it, it's Now now, now he has to keep doing it. It's almost an obligation at this point. It's like a comedian. Uh, yeah. you, know, you start telling a couple jokes. Next thing you know, you start getting paid for jokes. It doesn't matter if you want to be funny or not. You have to go up on stage and perform. And so it is with Kincaid. He needs to get on his phone after the game, put out a rebus, and uh, you know, <laughs>
1: hit that tweet button. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm making a joke about it, but it is actually fun to see a hockey player do something that's just fun and goofy and doesn't make any sense and it's kind of like an inside joke between him and his teammates it it is actually a, a lot of fun I think which is cool it's,
0: it's no longer an inside joke that Dell's put out a key <laughs> I, I
1: actually saw that today and I was like okay this is cool because I've looked at a couple of his tweets and I they hurt my head I'm like I don't know what's happening and I I choose not to try to figure it out <laughs>
0: Well, it could be worse. He could be a Penguins fan where they have nicknames for everybody and it's just all like, really? That's that's a nickname? Come on, son. You, that's not a nickname. Sit down. Don't You're not allowed to give out nicknames anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hockey players are terrible at nicknames. They're, they are. They are not a creative bunch, um, which yeah. I, I think is what happens when you have a bunch of guys who essentially like stop going to school and just play hockey when they turn 13. So, um, Okay, so one question that I like to ask everybody, just because I think it's fun to see what people say... Um, is there an under the radar player that Flyers fans might not be thinking about but who you think might be a game changer when we play on Saturday?
0: I want to name like 3. Go Can for I name 3? Yeah, of course. All right. The first one is an, is a player you have seen many times. His name is Travis Zajac. He is in his early 30s. He does have a lot of mileage on his body and he's no longer the team's top Center by default. That's now Niko sure However, Zajac has proven to be a very effective player in all aspects of the game. He still gets power play time. He still gets penalty killing time. He still plays five on five hockey fairly well with the various different uh, various different levels of hockey players. He's had Miles Wood, who is very fast and very quick and likes to draw lots of penalties on his wing, and he's had. Um, other, like, quote unquote, energy players like Stefan Nason and Blake Coleman on their wings. And he's been proven to be very effective with him. He started off the season really well. So while he doesn't have the point numbers that make you go, wow, I got to worry about this guy, don't be surprised if you see a lot of Zajac in important face offs, tough situations, and um, finding out that he can actually still handle that kind of business. Because that's his thing. That's the, He's always been very good about handling tough competition as well as not-so-tough competition. So he's one player I think Flyer fans are going to have to get a little familiar with if they aren't already, because he's been a Devil since 2004 or so. Um, Another player that is going to be under the radar, similar in that vein, is Pavel Zaka. Now, Zaka is a young player, and unlike other players in his draft class, like, I don't know, Ivan Provorov, just to name name a name, uh, he hasn't really had the big breakout year. It, it's getting more and more like he's not going to have the pick breakout year. He's not going to suddenly turn into, like, you know, he's one of these young forwards that's, like, going to help be an important part of the team. However, he's picked up a lot of what Zajac does in terms of being responsible in both ends of the rink. He's actually, he could, there's an argument that he could be the best penalty-killing forward on the team, if you can believe it. And even though he still needs to be coaxed into shooting the puck more often, when he does shoot the puck, he shoots it pretty well. And more importantly, he passes the puck very well. he's 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 very good at getting a shift or two where he just makes a play out of nowhere and he makes a perfect pass to somebody that you would not expect it from the run of play. And, you know, it doesn't always lead to necessarily a goal. That's kind of part of the problem. His work doesn't come up on the score sheet so much, but he's been very effective in the run of play so far. So if that second line... Is to do anything good. It's going to be because Pavel Zak is having a good game. And but the third player that I think Devil, I'm sorry, Flyer fans should start becoming a little more familiar with that they're probably not going to be familiar with, is a guy named Mirko Mueller. Uh, Mirko Mueller is another uh, not so successful draft pick uh, from his draft class. But you know San Jose basically gave him up for a bunch of picks. They just gave up on the guy. Um, but in New Jersey, however, he has been coached up to start playing. Um, Fairly well. He missed a lot of last season due to injuries. He suffered a broken collarbone against Chicago, if I recall correctly, like early last season. And when he came back, it was sort of a question of where do you fit him in the lineup. But the last couple of games, he's been on the power matchup with Sami Vatanen on defense. Uh, granted, they have all been home games, so the Devils have been able to pick that matchup. But this, has, but what this does is two, uh, two things. First, Mirko has been a fairly calming effect with Vatanen, which allows him to be a little more adventurous in a good way and sometimes in a bad way, with the puck on defense and on offense. And the other thing it does is it frees up the minutes for guys like Green, Andy Green and David Severs, which has been an effective defensive pairing so far, and cross your fingers that the third pairing is Will Butcher and Ben Lovejoy, meaning they can continue to tee off on weaker weaker matchups. Again, it's a game in Philly, so John Hines will not necessarily get the matchups he wants, but don't mm-hmm. be surprised if you see a lot of number 25 out there and wondering, huh, this guy may not be so bad. I've never heard of this guy. Yeah, that's kind of his thing. He, he's he's pretty much the definition of an under-the-radar player for New Jersey.
1: Excellent. That's good because that, he's not one that I would have thought of, so I thank you for pointing him out to us so we can all keep an eye on him. Um, in the same vein, any Flyers that you're looking forward to seeing? And, and I'm sure that you're super bummed about not being able to see Nolan Patrick since he's, you know, better than Nico.
0: <laughs> wait, wait, why, why, why wouldn't we see Nolan Patrick? He's hurt. What? Nolan Patrick is hurt. Again. How could that be? He took a hit. Oh no. He's it's like it. it's like a guy who had two sports hernias at the age of seventeen might have injury problems.
1: Now now, this one's not related at all to the oh. sports.
0: No, it's not related to the sports hernia, but you know, it's a, it's a pattern here. You know, it's just like, you know, yeah, the guy who murdered somebody, he just committed a lot of petty crimes as a young adult, whoever thought it would lead to that far. All, mm-hmm. Next thing you know, Hey, he, he's got a line of, you know, he's got a history of crimes here. I'm not saying Nolan Patrick is a murderer. That's, that's false. What I'm trying to say is that the guy's injury prone and you know, I'm not surprised at all or bummed that I will not see him. <laughs> I'm kind of expecting it at this point, by the way, eco is better anyways. Um, Flyers that I am interested in seeing, well I would like to see the Flyers lose and lose miserably and to that extent I would like to see who their goaltender is and whether or not they will play a good game of hockey because I get the impression that the Flyers the Flyers are kind of like the Detroit Red Wings from the 90s except without any of the success in that they have a very talented group on paper up front at forward they seemingly have good defensemen. Not Nicholas Lidstrom-level defensemen, but good defensemen. Talented defensemen. Defensemen that do the job.
1: We have two talented defensemen.
0: But Detroit was able to be so successful that they could get by with Chris Osgood as their goaltender. Uh The Philadelphia Flyers have had goaltenders both better and worse than Chris Osgood and have not succeeded. So, the $64 million question involving the Philadelphia Flyers has always eternally been, what about the goaltending? So, I am interested in seeing who's going to be in net for the Flyers, and more importantly, is is this goaltender going to play a game such that it'll make Flyer fans think they finally have their goaltender and can sign that person to a significant contract, only to be dumped in two years, or... If they're going to get a goaltender that does not play particularly well, and make this into a high-scoring affair like I don't know the Florida Flyers game from the other night, uh, where leads are lost, leads are built up, and so forth, because somebody can't buy a save, so that's the person I'm the most interested in, in, in that standpoint. Because I already know what Claude Giroux is going to do. He's going to you know. He's going to create a goal, and he'll be annoying on the power play. And you know, I know that Wayne Simmons is going to park his you know giant frame on the on the crease, and, and so forth. I know that uh, Jacob Voracek is going to be scary, except when he isn't. I know I know Sean Couturier is going to play both ends pretty well. I know that Sean Shane Gustaf be here, and Ivan Perovarov are going to. Bomb away, even though the Devils have experience with better defensemen, two better defensemen against them, like the Ber- like Burns and Carlson from the other game. So they know how to game plan for them. Um, it, it's always going it, to. I think this game on Saturday is going to come down to the goaltending. And right now, the Devils have a hot goaltender, and the Flyers have a question mark. So I want to know who that question mark is.
1: So, um, yeah, it's probably going to be Brian Elliott, um, okay. just because he is at this point, our number one goaltender. Um, but you're not going to see a performance from Brian Elliott. That's going to inspire some kind of contract signing. We have our goaltender making his way through his first AHL season. So we're waiting on Carter Hart. Yeah. So we've He's got, a caretaker. yeah, we've got interim guys right now. So there are interim guys who play interim guy level hockey. Um, Sometimes Brian Elliott's very good, sometimes, uh, like last night, Tuesday night, he had a, a kind of a questionable game, so it exactly. is a little bit up in the air, what you'll get out of him, but he has the ability to play a very solid game, so it's not a guarantee oh, yeah. that you're going to have an easy night against Brian Elliott.
0: Exactly, and isn't that the maddening thing? That you, you just said it right now, the goaltender of the future is in the AHL. Mm-hmm. If he's the future, why are you wasting your time potentially burning a season in a very tough division where, you know, a game here and there can make a difference between making the playoffs, not making the playoffs, coming at, getting a guaranteed spot, having to fight for a wild card spot and leaving it up to an interim goaltender level, like Brian Elliott, instead of just rolling the dice with this future guy that, you know, is supposedly the future. Uh, Cause you know, I hate to sound cynical, but typically goaltenders, they don't typically get that much better playing AHL hockey. Okay. Uh, they, they, if they're good, they're usually pretty good right out the box.
1: Yeah. John, do you have like three or four hours? I could talk a lot about the issues that I have with our front office and coaching staff, but...
0: I'm if all sure. you had a Lou Lamorello or a Jacques Lemaire or a, or a Larry Robinson or, yeah, you know, Lou Lamorello or David was, Conte.
1: Lou Lamorello, Lou Lamorello was a great general manager in the cap era. And not so much anymore.
0: <laughs> you would still take him in Philly.
1: No. Have you seen what he's done in Long Island? I mean... Well, let's,
0: Well, right now, the Islanders are just two points behind the Flyers with two games in hand on them, so maybe I wouldn't sell out the Islanders just yet.
1: I'm sure that a team centered around... They also around... have only
0: given up 10 goals so far, whereas Philly's given well. up 25. I'm just saying.
1: Well, you know. <laughs> I'm sure when you're leaning on Matt Martin and Leo Komarov, you're really just going to have a, a great season. It's going to last for sure.
0: <laughs> Their job is just to be a big pain... When you have no expectations, you don't have any pressures.
1: Fair, fair. Um, okay, so one last thing is just throw out what you think the score is going to be at the end of the game on Saturday.
0: Well, what I would love is, you know, a 6 0 win, but mm-hmm. I, I think Philadelphia will show up to play, unlike the Washington Capitals from the 11th. Um, I think this game, I think this game will be a 3 2 game. Won by the Devils, of course. Of course. However, there will be a goal controversy, and a goal from Philadelphia will be taken away. How's that for a prediction?
1: That is ultra-specific, and I enjoy it a lot, because everybody else goes broad, but I'm here for the specifics. Um, I'm going to say 4-2 Flyers victory.
0: Mm, Okay.
1: I'm not going to offer any specifics. No but specifics. I no. want to be bold. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose to be boring. But I do think that, uh, I think that Brian Elliott's gonna have himself a game. He's due for one. Ah. Uh, so man, I'm thinking. flipping
0: that coin. You're I am, it comes up heads
1: Yes, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm a, I'm a big Brian Elliott defender. So I'm gonna say that he holds down the fort. That the Flyers okay. are able to score a couple of goals on Kincaid, and they win this one four two. Okay. All right. Well, it so might happen. It, it, it could. Anything could. can happen. That's why Lots it's of fine, right? Can happen. Yeah.
0: Alex Leon could get you know a puck poked through his legs, you know, at the in the last minute of the game in regulation. That could happen.
1: It could, except that he is also in the NHL. Ah,
0: well, <laughs> even better, he can't be uh, sunned by Nico Heischer again. Oh, by okay. the way, it's better than Nolan Patrick.
1: Well, <laughs> for now. But I'll we'll revisit this in like five years. We'll see how they've ended up.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Alright. We'll
1: thank- <laughs> <laughs> Alright, thank you very much, John. I really appreciate you joining me. No problem,
0: Kelly. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know.